Listen, man, I'll tell you, you ought to be ready to go and cranked up. And man, uh, with these 52 years behind you, you've got 52 years under your belt, historically at least, you got them under your belt, and uh, nothing but good things on the horizon for you. Man, I'll tell you, if you're a stranger here or a visitor here tonight, you need to put your get your name somewhere that you're a part of this church. Give, put your money, invest yourself, your time, your energy, your effort in the greatest dividends that will ever be paid to you at all. That is putting yourself in this glorious gospel. Hallelujah. What a marvelous place to be and come here to First Apostolic under the pastoral care of Brother and Sister Akers and this great staff by here, back here. Man, they'll love you and treat you so many different ways and you'll find friendship. The Bible says that God in the Old Testament, the Scripture says that God has set the solitary in families. That is, God had never leaves anybody solitary. If He finds a solitary person, He will take that person and see to it they get put in a family. He's not going to leave anybody solitary. He's not going to, now, He had a lot of solitary people in the Old Testament. A lot of prophets that just wandered, come on the scene out of nowhere and left out of nowhere. But in the New Testament, the prophecy was, I'll take every solitary person and I'm going to put them in a family. There'll be no solitary people Hallelujah! in my church. I'm going to take everybody and I'll baptize them into a family and make them part of a church. You'll have brothers and sisters in the Lord and folks to care for because God don't like solitary people. He, he loves, it's not good for man to be alone to begin with. And so the Old Testament got a lot lonely people. But in the New Testament, everybody was going to have a family. Even those that didn't have a natural family were going to have a spiritual family. They were going to be brothers and sisters in the Lord. There's just no better place for you to be right here under the tender, loving care of this great pastor. Now, you can you can, you you know, you need to stay close to the church. Let me admonish. You need to stay close to the church. Uh, 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 you, you need to be a part of the great family of God. And uh, Man, the history of this church. And it's it's not a fly-by-night deal. This is not something that coming on the winds uh, and is going to blow away in a few days. This is not something that has not made an investment in this community and an investment in this town, in the city of Sanford. They have an investment here and they're not going to pull up and leave. I, I've seen men come in and they're like they're like a meteor flying through the night, you know. A great light bursts from them but then in a little while they burn out and they're gone. There's nothing left, you know. I tell you, much better to have a consistent light than to have a burst of light just pass through your life. You better have one you can go to and depend on and count on that will be there for you day after day after day after day after day and this church and this great congregation will love you and take care of you and, and minister to you hallelujah to your body to your soul to your mind and everything will be done for your well-being and for your betterment so I, I'm just making a commercial in things I believe in and people that I believe in and prove themselves upon the battlefield that they are in business for the king glory to God glory to God yes sir give the Lord a good hand clap of praise These, these 52 years that you've had, and I commend Mother Akers, and, and you're such a tribute to hell. You know, when God cursed Eli, I'm not, I'm not assuming him, but when God cursed the family of Eli, he said there'll never be an old man in your family. That's the curse I'm going to be put on you. Oh, you have all the young people in the world, but the greatest curse I could put upon you is you'll never have an old man in your family. About the time they reach the time of their blossoming, when they could contribute or put something forth, they're going to die. And I'll never let you have an old man. You see, it's a privilege to grow old in the house of God. God doesn't grant that privilege to every one of you. Some of you young people think, well, we've got some old folks around here. Yeah, you'd be lucky enough to live as long as they live. 
Yeah, it's a privilege to grow old in the house of God. It's not granted to everyone. Not everybody gets to grow old in the house of God. God may curse your life, or you'll be a young person in the house of God. But if He blesses your life, you get to be an old person in the house of God. So every time you walk by a gray head or a stooped shoulder or a face that looks like it's been plowed with worry and fretting, you understand they're living a life of privilege. Yours is yet to be earned yet. It's a privilege to grow old in the house of God that is not granted to everyone. It is simply not granted to everyone. So I love to see a church. Most of all, I love to see a church full of young people. But psh, great, you got a church full of young people. I'm glad for that too. But you look around, that's all it is, young people. You know, a church could have a curse on it and have nothing but young people in it. It could be under a curse and have nothing but young people. You need to look around church and see if it's got any gray hair in it. Find out if it's under a blessing or not. Well, praise the Lord. That was wonderful, wasn't it? Was <laughs> we got a great youth program. You know, all the youth program. We got a great youth. And I'm for it, man. We spend more money on children than we spend on anything else. We love youth program, youth program, youth program, youth this, youth this, youth acting. Youth going here, youth going there. Saw them young people in that choir acting up up here. But, man, when I hear, when I, when I see a gray head get up and say something or get up and testify, I know that's the blessings of God there. Because God can curse a church and keep young people in it. But when a church that's blessed of God and the blessings of God, it'll have some folks in it that are stalwart and have fought the good fight and are not looking for a way out. I, I'm glad I'm in and God lets me live. I'm going to stay in. I'm going to stay in. Praise the Lord. Heard a story about an old man. I know times of the essence and I'm a long preacher. I know, but I, I, there's a story about an old man. He was at his 50th wedding anniversary and, and they were having a big party for him. You know, and they had the little balloons and all the stuff, the gold, all the gifts on the table. And the old man was sitting over in a chair by himself just sobbing. Shoulders were shaking, just bawling. And his wife went over to him and said, Baby, doll, what's the matter with you? And you're crying, and here we are celebrating our 50th anniversary. And it's, everybody's laughing, having a good time, wanting us to have a good time. You're sitting over there bawling. He said, Oh, baby, he said, I'm just thinking about the, the night I proposed to you. And the night of our wedding. He said, Oh, she's the old sentimental fool. She said, Don't be thinking about it. Come on, let's enjoy it. He said, Well, I was just thinking about it. I said, This breaks my heart when I think about it. You know, when I ask you to marry me and all that. He said, well, what is it that what is it that makes you so sad about thinking about that? He said, well, you know, remember when your daddy put that shotgun to my head and said, if you don't marry her, I'm going to see to it you go to prison for 50 years. He said, you know, I was just thinking, if I'd listen to him, tomorrow I'd be a free man. <laughs> well... I'm not looking for a way out. I'm, I've enjoyed the 50 years, you know, the 52 years. I'm not thinking about what it could have been, you know, if I had listened to somebody else or I hadn't come to the altar, if this hadn't come, looking back, dreading them, dreading all those years that I've lived. Didn't nobody put a gun to my head and didn't nobody drive me here. I come out of my own free will. I, I, I didn't, I didn't see the lights on and turn in. Uh, God, God, God allowed me to come into this glorious truth and I'm, I'm certainly appreciative of it. Certainly, anniversaries are for remembering, therefore reflecting on the past. They are for rehearsing, and by and large, anniversaries are for a history lesson to look back upon where God has brought us from. And certainly, you have done that, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad for it. Uh, I'm going to ask you to stand with me tonight for the reading of the Word of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, I'd rather just, rather than I have anybody behind me tonight, I, if you could get some chairs and just get in that corner over there for me or somewhere. Not that I don't trust you, but. I just don't want nobody behind me tonight. Uh, and I, I, can I do that? Is that all right, Pastor? If, I, if we just go down here and, and stand, you can get a microphone. You know, some folks I want to read for me. Did you get those? Folks? You can take a mic. Well, we can take a mic with you down there, and and you boys can all read. Good, got you a good Bible, don't you? You can get one of them cheap Bibles that got a book missing or something, or pages upside down. 
Get you some, put you some chairs. Take some of these chairs. I want you up front. I want everybody that claims to be a preacher. No claim to be. I mean, you are a preacher. I want you, I want you, I want you to come up front here. I, I want to be where I can see. I got some things I want to say to you tonight, and I don't want you to miss anything. I want you within a, I want you to need a sneeze shield. Be so close. You know, like a salad bar. I want you to, I want to be right here where I can reach under and get you if I need you for something. And, uh, uh, I appreciate these brethren and uh, the ministry here at this church. And I, I pray tonight that I can somehow minister to you. In the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews, uh, I'm going to be looking in your Bible and find your place for me if you would. a little better prepared than it was. But. <clears throat> Read a verse of Scripture, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 35 through 39. Thank you for your hospitality, Sister Osborne and I. We, Charity, we appreciate it very much. The room is just out of this world, drop-dead, pretty, gorgeous. We've food enough there to feed an army of people, you know, and uh, there's that fly bag. <laughs> if he gets around me, he'll be in serious trouble. Uh, Made me lose my place. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Get you a fly swat, son. Come up here and protect me tonight from that fly. Uh, beautiful, good food, and, and and man took us out. We've had we had Italian last night. Had fish today, this afternoon. They've just taken so good care of us, and we feel so special. You know, we'll, we'll but don't worry about making us feel too special. We'll get back home, folks. We'll bring you back down again. <laughs> let you know you're just common every day people so uh, we thank you for that though hebrews the 10th chapter beginning in verse 35 now this is going to be a, a kind of a slow getting going message it's and you've got to be patient you, you have in, in, and what you're going to have to do is confident you have enough confidence in me that i'm not going to let you down that it's going to be worth the trip I, i'm going to try to make it worth the trip but you know uh, you got to give me your attention and and if you give it to me i'm going to try to keep it but i can't keep something i never have had so you can't expect me to keep something that you haven't given me yet. You know, so if you give me your attention, I know you're going to do You young men going to help me tonight? Give me a good nod or something, you know. Notice it. I can talk slower if I help you. Will you young men help me tonight? All right. I want you to help me tonight. Give me that Baptist nod, whatever, anything. Give me something. Let me know you're with me. Praise. I want to hear you scream, shout, holler. Yeah, you young ladies, I want you to stay with me. You got an eye on a boy or something, forget him. Put him on the back burner. I want, I, want, I want you to look at me like I was the best thing to ever come down the pike. I want you to look at me like I was the most gorgeous specimen of human flesh you'd ever laid your eyes on. And you just focus yourself and listen to what I have to say to you tonight. Hallelujah. I know it'll be a lot of make-believe, but you just try to do it. You try to do that and give me your attention. And I'm going to do my best to keep it. And, uh, and you're going to have to have confidence. I'm telling you that to begin. You're going to have, co- have confidence in the Word of God, not in me. Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back... 
My soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Praise the Lord. Everybody say, praise the Lord. I want to minister to you tonight on this. This, this, this message is so complex, it's got to have a title and a subject. And you know you're getting deep when you get to have a title and a subject. My title is Absolutely Apostolic. And my subject will be the castaway. The castaway. 35th verse is, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. I'm going to talk to you tonight about being absolutely apostolic. Praise the Lord. Pastor, will you pray over the reading of the word of the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Do it, dear God, for your glory. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. You may be seated tonight. The great Apostle Paul has been dealing with a very heavy subject matter in the past several verses. In verse 23 of the 10th chapter, he reminds us to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Everybody say, hold fast. The profession of your faith. That is, hold fast what you have been declaring to be true, what you have claimed to be true, what you have affirmed to be true, that we want you to hold fast the profession of your faith. Then in verse 24, he said, because if you sin willfully, uh, uh, there remaineth no more sacrifice for you. Then he says in the 26th verse, for he that despised the law of Moses died without mercy. And then he says in the 29th verse, he spake of a sore punishment for those who have done despite to the Spirit, or those that have insulted the Spirit of God, or those who have had malice in their heart toward the Spirit of God, or those who have talked about the Spirit of God in an unworthy way. And he said, you better hold fast what you've been talking about being true. You had better hold fast the profession of your faith because there is going to be a sore punishment for those that, uh, un that uh, unknowingly perhaps or even unwillingly begin to show disrespect to the Word of God or the things of God or the Spirit of God. Then he begins to say, For vengeance belongeth unto God in the 30th verse. Then in the 32nd verse, he talks about how they've been enduring a great, flight of a, a great fight of affliction. And they have been made a gazing stock by the reproaches and by the afflictions that they have been suffering. And so he gives us a little description of the present climate of that day. Uh, then he, when you arrive at verse 35 of my text... Uh, you know, you Bible students will know, and you that have been taught will know that when you arrive at verse 35, you, you, are, you, are, you are getting ready to step over into the vestibule of chapter 11. We're not there yet, but you are now, you're not in the building yet, but you're walking, you're stepping now into the vestibule of chapter 11. Now then you're getting ready to go into the lobby that we'll call the lobby of the Hall of Fame. You're standing in the foyer of the faithful. You're preparing 
to fellowship with greatness. Um, uh, we would say at this time, young man, spit your gum out and young lady, wipe that smile off of your face and uh, square your shoulders up because you're getting ready to walk into a place where some great people are there. And uh, this is not like any other grounds you've been standing on. So straighten up a little bit. Pay attention. Stop whispering to one another. Turn your beepers off. Turn your cell phones off. Focus your attention. We're getting ready to fellowship with greatness. You're getting ready to step over into the glorious history of the great apostolic church. And uh, he, he, he lets them know that it won't be very long that they're going to be standing in the shadow of great men and women uh, 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 of whom he said the world was not worthy. Of whom the world was not worthy. They were not trying to be worthy of the world. They were not trying to do something to get worldly acclaim. They were not trying to make their mark in the world. They were not trying to be heralded as the greatest or the great this or the great that or the great other. And what the Bible said concerning these you're getting ready to fellowship with, that they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted and slain with a sword, they wandered in sheepskins, destitute and afflicted and tormented, they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves in the earth. Um, the scripture said as far as the world was concerned um, they had no worth. Um, they had no value. Um, uh, uh, the, 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 they had nothing that was given to them. Um, that they had any importance at all. Uh, yet God says concerning that generation of men and women that went before us um, that the fact was the world was not worthy of them. Um, the world was not worthy of the sandal prints they left in the dusty soil. Uh, the world was not worthy of them. Um, and yet they put them in hollow logs and sawed their bodies in half. Um, they put them in barrels filled with nails. Uh, put the lid on them and rolled them down the streets. Um, they sawed them asunder. Uh, they cut them up and fed them to lions. Uh, they abused them and they wandered like wild men in the caverns and the caves. Uh, and they lived in the sheep's coats. Uh, and they lived with barely enough to cover themselves and barely enough to eat. Uh, and yet God said their world was not worthy of these men and women. They were worthy to hear their words, uh, but they never attempted to be worthy of the world. Uh, they never wanted the world to put a crown on their heads. Uh, all they wanted was to declare the wonderful gospel uh, and declare the truth to a lost and dying generation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Set our hands and worship and thank God. Hallelujah for our heritage. Glory to God. 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 These people had no importance. They had no assets. Uh, they had no market price, no title, no rank. They had no name, no merit, no worldly distinction. Uh, and yet the world was not worthy for them to come down and walk among them. Hallelujah. We understand that the 11th chapter of Hebrews is a history lesson. It deals with the faith and the glories of the past. It is yesterday. It's time gone by. It's the unalterable saga from the past. In the 10th chapter where we take in our text, we are led into the lobby and the writer says, Now, we have talked about the present set of circumstances concerning you. We talked about how you're enduring a great fight of affliction. Uh, we're talking about how men died uh, uh, under uh, condemnation uh, and how God has deserved a sore punishment for anybody that would ever do despite toward the Spirit of God. That's the condition you're living in. You're a gazing stock. You're an offcast. You're an outcast. That's the present set of circumstances. Uh, he said, before we go over and look at the past, uh, that is chapter 
chapter 11 uh, and look at the history that has brought you to where you are. Uh, he's saying now, before we look at uh, yesterday, uh, uh, we have looked at the present uh, and, and, and we've looked into the past. Uh, but let me admonish you concerning your responsibility to the all uncertain, not yet written tomorrows uh, of your generation's future. He's saying now, but I, I want to, in a few verses, uh, I, I, I want to talk about the future. I've talked to you about your past, about your present. Um, we get into chapter 11, we'll talk about the past, but let me talk about your future for a few moments. Um, here we are at this anniversary service. Uh, we talked about the old timers uh, and what they did and how they lived and where they were in the clouds that gathered in the digging of the foundation. Uh, you're well aware of the present set of circumstances of your life. Uh, so let's talk about the future of this church. Let's talk about where it's going to be in another 52 years. Let's talk about what God's going to do and what God's going to require of the generation that picks up the banner and carries it on into this dark future of ours. One writer wrote in 1 Kings 20, 11, said, Let not him that girdeth on the harness, that is, that puts his armor and his sword on, don't let him boast himself against he that putteth it off. You that are you that may be putting off the armor, uh, hallelujah, you have a right to boast uh, because you can talk about what you've done. But you that are putting on the armor, Armor, you don't have anything to boast about. Young people that are putting on the armor, all they can say is what they're going to do. Well, if I ever get to be the preacher, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do the other. When I get the sword and I get the armor, that's just a boast about what you're going to do. And you'd be better off to seal your mouth up and not say anything. The only person that has a right to boast is the person that's taking it off. Because they can talk about what they've done. It's not theory. It's not a supposition. History speaks for itself. The world was not worthy of him. I wonder when we're dead and gone, will a generation look at us and say, Listen, uh, First Apostolic Church, Sanford wasn't worthy for that church to be in its midst. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I think everybody say, Praise the Lord. He says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. He's talking about for your future's sake. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. The concept of the idea of these two phrases, cast not therefore your way of confidence, cast away therefore not your confidence, and the term, and, and uh, the term, for if any man draws back, cast not therefore away your confidence, and the drawing back are military terms in reference to battle scenes um, where cowardly soldiers would throw away their shields uh, and retreat from the battle. This is a military reference admonishing men in keeping the faith. He said, hold on to your faith. He says in the 23rd verse, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Everybody say, hold fast, hold fast. your faith. Because casting away your confidence or casting away of your faith always leads to a drawing back or a turning around and a retreating from the battlefield. And so these two references of cast away, the cast not away, therefore your confidence, and the drawing back are admonishments to those who have professed their faith and have declared what they believe to be true in this great apostolic message. Then the admonishment is, don't throw it down, don't discard it, don't get rid of it, but hold on to what you've been claiming that was true. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians then, 
Wherefore, taking unto you the whole armor of God, that you might be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But then in the 16th verse, he writes, And above all, everybody say above all. And above all, taking the shield of faith, uh, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The shield is simply a metaphor for faith. He says, above all, uh, that you might put on or have on. Uh, he said, above all, take the shield of faith. The reason that, that when he says take the shield of faith above all, it's not that the shield of faith is necessarily more important than any other uh, piece of equipment that you would take, but that the shield of faith is over all, or the shield of faith covers all. You understand, if you have on the breastplate of righteousness, you have your feet shot with the gospel of preparation of peace, uh, you have on all the other armor, then you put the shield in front of you, now the shield is over all. The shield is what covers up everything. The shield is what protects you. The shield, because on this side is life, and on this side is death. And the shield stands between life and death. So it says you can have on righteousness, you can have on gospel, you can have on the peace, but you need a covering for all of that. And above all, he said, covered up with your faith. He said, whatever you do, don't cast your faith away. Don't throw your faith down. Don't get rid of your faith, but hold on to your faith because faith is life and faith is death. Hallelujah. Everybody say, praise the Lord. You can be seated because i got a lot to say in a short time to say it in. Oh, he said, oh, don't throw your faith down. Don't throw your shield down. Don't get rid of that. Hang on to your faith for your faith is your profession. It is what you claim to be true. You understand? When you throw faith down and you don't have anything to shield you, righteousness can't stay by itself. The gospel cannot stand by itself. Peace cannot stand by itself. Joy cannot stand by itself. When you throw faith down, it won't belong to the rest of it. It'll all be gone. Do you understand what I'm saying, young men? If you don't hang on to the profession of what you believe to be true, I don't care how much righteousness, I don't care how much gospel you may preach, once you throw this thing is overall, it covers everything. It fights off the fiery darts that the gospel can't defend us. It fights off all that would destroy righteousness. That righteousness has no defense without the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He says, above all, the shield carries the idea of a door. In fact, in the Hebrew, the word seal means a door. Now, I'm, not, I'm talking about a special kind of a shield here. Let, just stay with me for just a moment. It carries, as I said, the idea of a door. As a soldier holds his shield to defend himself... This door constitutes a protection over every part of his body. And it stands between him and every enemy. I am not talking about... Uh, the, I'm not talking about a parade shield. I'm not talking about a tournament shield. I'm talking about the old infantry shield. I'm talking about the grunt workers. I'm talking about the men who marched. I'm talking about in the forerunners. Those men in the chariots had that little target on their arm, you know. Those men in tournaments, uh, tournaments had brightly colored little shields that they carried. But the old infantry man that had to face the arrows and the shield, he said, give me a door. Put me a door on my arm. I want something that when I get behind my shield, it's like I'm running the house and slam the door on them. 
Hallelujah. Aren't you glad to have a door between you and the enemy? I got something I can throw up in front of me. They, Paul said, you better hold on to And it secures all the armor. It is above all. It is over all. It covers all. It protects all. Hallelujah. It is the thing. Hallelujah. That guarantees that everything will be alright. And everything you're going to be holding on to your righteousness. Holding on to your faith. Holding on to your peace. And holding on to the gospel. Why? Because you've held on to the faith. And the faith is above all. But I say, praise the Lord. Faith. And I know what the Bible says about it. And I'm not trying to make something out of it that it's not. But I know it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I, I understand that. Uh, but faith, when it comes to define faith in its, in its, all of its characteristics and all of its nuances, it's, faith is difficult to define. According, you've got to almost put faith in a context before you know what it means. You want me to tell you what faith is? Use it in a, use it in a phrase. Talk to me about what kind of faith. Are you talking about faith to walk on water? Are you talking about faith of our fathers? What kind of faith are you, how you, how you using faith? How you using the word? Put it in a context. It's like the word running. You, you know, when you say, what does running mean? Well, uh, the definition of running is to move swiftly on foot so that both feet leave the ground during each stride. That's running. But now, if I say, well, my nose is running. Boy, so that's a different kind of running altogether there, brother. When I talk about feet leaving the ground, now your feet don't have to leave the ground for your nose to run, you understand? And you say, well, uh, that's when you've got sinus problems, you know, and you need a handkerchief like I got one right here. That's your nose. Well, what about, is that the same thing like when paint's running? No, that's not the same thing. Well, what about when my car's running? No, that's not the same. Car be running, not going nowhere, you know, but it's sitting out there running. How can a car be sitting still and, and still running when you gotta run, you gotta move, and both feet gotta be off? Yeah. Well, you gotta use running. There are 39 definitions of running according to how you're gonna use the word. When I talk about faith, you have to use it in some kind of context. You have to understand what the scripture is, the context of the words being used in here. And faith as being, as being defined as how we're using it here, it has a lot of, a lot of suggestive ideas about it. It means the system of moral convictions concerning the truthfulness of God. It's a body of truth that is born of faith. It's that body of truth that justifies trust. It's the very character of God that can be relied on. But if faith that we are looking about here and says uh, hold fast the profession of your faith that thing that you have declared that you believe to be true when we talk about that kind of faith it is the word fidelity everyone say fidelity fidelity to obligations and responsibilities that correspond to fact when you find something in the bible that's a fact when you read a fact in the bible and you understand you're going to have faith that it means that you're going to uh, you 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 when, when you that you're going to you understand your obligations and your responsibilities that correspond to that fact that is your fidelity you're going to be let, let me talk to you about fidelity just a minute back in the 50s and the 60s something came along that was called a high Hi-fi. You never heard of a hi-fi? I remember when they first come out, you know, people get them. I got me a hi-fi. You don't hear that much. You know, I don't guess you hear that at all anymore. Somebody said he got a hi-fi. You think, man, get with it. Get up to date, you know. And get your motor running, son. You're back. He probably ain't got an eight-track yet, you know. And you're, you're talking about hi-fis. It's a big deal when hi-fi come along. Big deal. Man, the name of Saul Morantz designed a processor that created high fidelity. 
Everybody say high fidelity. We've never had a problem with the input signal. What we always had a problem with is there was nothing inside the equipment that could process the signal and make an output signal that would hold its fidelity to the input signal. We could have a good input signal, but there was nothing that could process that signal and put it out with all of its little nuances and all of its frequencies and its highs and its lows and its trebles and its bases and everything. And Psalm Arrest said, listen, I know the signal coming in is better than what we're hearing with our ear. I know it's not in what's coming in, but it's in what's coming out. And he designed a process and it was called high fidelity. That is, you can count on what's going in. It's going to be coming out those speakers right there. That it's going to be true to every nuance and every flavor and every high and every low that is in the signal that's being put into that piece of machinery. He designed the equipment whereby it would be high fidelity. That is fidelity was that when you put the signal into that, that piece of equipment was going to be faithful to that signal. It was not going to distort it. It was not going to add to it. It was not going to take away from it. But if you put a signal into that, it was going to have high fidelity. It would put out a sound that accurately represented what was put into it. Let me say something to you tonight, and I don't mean to be mean. I don't need to be hateful, and I don't think I am. But just having the Holy Ghost, or, or telling somebody you got the Holy Ghost, or, or listening to a preacher on television that says he has the Holy Ghost, is absolutely not enough. We're not talking about the input signal. I'm talking about what's coming out of it. I'm talking about fidelity to what's going in. If you've got the Holy Ghost, listen to me. You had better preach what the Holy Ghost says to you. There better be something come out of you that bears witness with what went in you. That is high fidelity or high faithfulness. You put that little cassette tape in one of them three. Go ahead and buy you a little $3 cassette player at the, at the $2 store, wherever you buy one at. Get you one. And then turn that thing up on high and listen to it. Well, it has no fidelity to it. You can take that same tape. Take it back there and put it in that machine back there. Play it through them JBLs and get you to listen to it. You say, what's the matter? Is the tape changed any? No. It's what, it's because that little three dollar piece of equipment is not faithful to the input signal. It's not possible for it to be faithful to what you put into it. You got to put it into something that'll be faithful to the signal that what comes out of it matches what went into it. A lot of preachers say they got the Holy Ghost, but they have no fidelity. That is, they're not faithful to the input of the Holy Ghost. It's not enough just to say you're saved, to say you got the Holy Ghost. You have got to have some fidelity to you. That is, you've got to be faithful to the signal that's been put in you. If God put the signal of the Holy Ghost in you, you've got to be faithful to that. And what comes out of you has got to sound like what went in you. You can't tell me that you can put this book in a dozen different men and it'll come out different all the time. No, sir. You put that tape in every machine, it'll come out the same. Some are faithful to it, some are not faithful to it. But when you put this book inside of a man, it ought to come out the same every time. Because it's not the privilege of the machine to change the message or change or alter the tones. He is just simply a piece of equipment that has to have fidelity to the truth. Make it sound like it's supposed to sound. Don't distort it. Don't twist it. Don't add highs and lows to it. Just preach the word. 
Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For there'll come a time when that will do endure sound doctrine. But heap to themselves teachers having itching. I want to hear it like this. Get them high notes out of there and put some more bass notes in there. Get rid of, get rid of, get rid of, get rid of. No fidelity to the truth. Everybody say praise the Lord. As goes the shield, so goes the rest of the armor. It won't be long after the shield of truth is cast away and a man retreats from battle that truth, righteousness, and the gospel will be stabbed in the back and left to die alone in the street. The shield is a metaphor for a person's faith and fidelity to the truth. Every man, every woman, I'm not talking about preachers now. I'm talking about every man and woman that calls themselves apostolic. You're supposed to have some fidelity in you to this glorious truth. You're not supposed to stammer or stutter around about it. You're supposed to be absolutely who you say you are. Not just in church, but at school, on the street, downtown, Sanford, wherever you go. You're supposed to have your shield of faith in front of you to protect your righteousness and protect the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's your fidelity. Fidelity that holds on to that. Amen. It's your fidelity, your dedication to this glorious, this glorious, glorious truth. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's no wonder David said, or excuse me, Paul said, I fought a good fight. I've finished the course. And I've kept the truth. And I've kept righteousness. And I've kept the gospel. What have I kept? I kept my faith because that's overall. And if I kept my faith, you know my gospel's all right. If I kept my faith, you know my righteousness is all right. If I kept my faith, you know the truth is all right. So all he had to say, listen, I never threw my truth down. I never threw my righteousness. I never, I never threw my faith down. I was beaten. I've been stoned. I've been left set adrift on the sea. I've been naked. I've been hungry. I've been friendless. But I fought a good fight and I kept my faith. I kept my, I kept my fidelity to the truth. Kept my fidelity to the truth. Well, if you kept, if you kept your fidelity and you kept your faith, I know everything else is alright. I know your righteousness and your peace and your joy and your holiness and everything else is okay, cause it's the door, it's the overall peace. It covers everything. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise His name, praise His name. Praise the Lord, I gotta go. God help me. Thank you, Jesus. Throw that thing away. In, 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 in some lives, faith is easily becoming a castaway. It's being thrown away. Fidelity to the truth. Let's just be honest with ourselves. In some cases, it's being thrown away. Uh, this is a little history lesson for you. Everybody look up. See, you're looking at girls now. Look back at me. I'm the best thing to ever come down your way here. There's no greater dedication to the shield in man's history than that of a Spartan. Did you ever study the Spartans? Ever see the Spartan? No, no greater dedication to the shield in man's history than that of the Spartan. He was a native of the Greek city of Sparta. Sparta was a military hub made up of military families. It was the city of heroic fighting men. The Spartans were notorious in battle and they fought with fearlessness. When a baby was born in Sparta and it was sickly or deformed somehow, it would be deemed unfit 
And, and therefore, it would be left to die of exposure, taken into mountains and left to die of exposure. The child would be unfit for war, therefore unfit for life. Anybody that wasn't fit to fight, wasn't fit to live. Anybody that wasn't fight, fit to go to war and hair carry a sword and a shield, you weren't fit to live. And therefore, when the baby was born and they checked the baby over, if they never thought it would be a war machine, the child was unfit to live as a Spartan, therefore was taken to the countryside and left to die of exposure. Because unfit to fight was unfit to live. That's how dedicated they were to the scenes of battle. The schools at the age of seven, every male Spartan was sent to military school. These schools taught toughness and discipline and endurance of pain and survival skills. After 20, at 20, after 13 years of training, the Spartan then became a soldier. The Spartan soldier spent his life with his fellow soldiers. He ate with them, slept with them, lived with them. At the age of 30, he became an equal and was allowed to live in his own house. Military service ended at age 60. You were a Spartan from the age of seven till the age of 60 years of age. You were in the military and called to battle at any moment's time. The military cut the core out of your life. It wanted your best years. It wanted your most healthy years. It wanted the very center of your being. It wanted to be the focal tension and the center of all that you would do. And therefore, till you were 60 years of age, you were counted as being in the military if you were a Spartan. The Spartans never surrounded themselves with luxuries or expensive food or leisure. They were taught that warfare was their heritage and it was their birthright. Every man was to be absolutely a Spartan. Absolutely a Spartan. Mamas would tell their babies that's the only reason you were allowed to live is you were privileged to be a fighting Spartan. Hallelujah. It was the Spartan mothers who presented their seals to their sons just prior to going into battle. And they were accustomed to say, Etern ep epostos. It meant either bring this back or be brought back on it. Alluding to the custom of bringing a slain soldier home on his own shield. They would say to a mama as she handed her son his shield. Come up here, young man. Come up here, Acres boy. Come up here, son. Come up here. Come on up here. He said, when a, when a mama, like I'm your mama. I know it's a little stretch, but like I'm your mama. She would say that when she'd hand her son his shield for the first time, she'd say, here you are, son. She said, you carry this thing into battle. And you carry this thing into battle. And you carry it into battle. And don't you come home without it. If you come home, if you come home, you either, you, you either come home carrying this or you come home letting this carry you. For the Spartan shield was laid down. And when a man died, lay down on that shield. When a man died, that shield became his stretcher. And the other Spartans got around him and picked him up and carried him back. And that mama looked and she said, well, he didn't come home carrying it, but at least he came home it carrying him. Uh, hallelujah. Get up, son. She would say, listen up. Uh, listen up. Uh, he, he might have not been able to carry it, uh, but he stayed with it and he died. He died hanging on to his shield. And at least, it could, if he couldn't carry it home, at least it carried him home. Hallelujah. 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 Come up here, son. Come on up here. Your shield became your stretcher to bear you home. It proved that he did not die a coward. That his faith was not a castaway in retreat. It declared he had been faithful to his country. It was a reproach for a Spartan to come home slung over the back of a horse. It was a disgrace for a Spartan to come home in a wagon. Every Spartan said, if I die, let me carry my stretcher and die with my stretcher in my arms. And if I can't carry it home, at least it'll carry me home. Stay with me. The mothers at times were also accustomed to excite the courage of a young Spartan son 
by delivering unto them their father's seal with the following address. This seal thy father always preserved. Do thou preserve it also or perish? She would say, son, this was your daddy's shield. He carried it home a many a day. But there finally come a day when he didn't carry it home, it carried him home. Now I'm going to give this son, I'm going to give this to you. Your father did preserve it. You see to it, you preserve it or perish. What she was saying to her son was, if you can't hang on to this son, don't bother to come home. We'll cut your name out of the Spartan heritage. We'll cut you out of the inheritance. We'll cut your name out. Be buried in Boot Hill, son. If you can't hang on to your father's faith, if you can't hang on to the truth, don't bother to come home. Don't bother to come home, son. You come home carrying this or you come home letting this carry you or don't come home. I'm talking about mama that was absolutely Spartan. She expected her kids to be absolutely Spartan. I could see your father. He carried this thing into many a battle. You don't know nothing about as a young man. He carried it into his office many a time. Deal with saints. He carried it to hospitals with him. He carried it on rainy nights and snowy nights. He preserved the faith. He held on to it when other people were throwing it down by the acres. Other people were giving up on it and turning tail and running. But your daddy said, listen, I'm hanging on to this thing. But there finally come a day by the acres. There finally come a day when he fell in battle. But thank God he fell with his shield still intact. And he said, I may not carry it home. But this truth one day is going to carry me home. This shield of faith is going to carry me home. Now he turns around and Mama Akers hands it to you and she said, here you are, son. Your daddy carried this thing in many a battle. He carried it in warfare and he fought a good fight and he kept the faith. He kept the faith. He kept the faith that was once delivered to the saints. She's now... Your father preserved that. See to it, thou preservest it also. Preserve it, she says, or perish. Or you'll be cut off out of the heritage of the Spartans. Because you're either a Spartan or you're nothing. You, you either hold on to the faith that was once delivered to you. Or your name's cut out. And you're not a part of the lineage of a Spartan. Mama said, listen, son, I'm not interested in you coming home, bringing me a little souvenir from war. I ain't interested. Everybody's interested in the spoils of war, you know. We go to spoil. Mama said, I'm not interested in you bringing a crown home, bringing me some jewels home. I'm not interested in you bringing me uh, some little piece of something you got over in a foreign land home. I'm not in a souvenir hunting mode. But son, when I see you coming over the horizon, I want to see you carrying this or it carrying you. That's all my mother wants to see is the shield of faith. Is it still intact? Did he die fighting for what he believed to be true? Or did somehow he throw the shield down and turn around and retreat and died in battle and slung him over the back of a donkey and brought him home? Mama said, don't bring him high by my house. Don't take him by my house. Because the only reason we let him live was to fight. And if he can't fight, he ain't fit. God, I know this is tough. I know this. It's about time we got a little backbone in our minds. About time we got a little something about us. 
Understand, this is the warfare the choir saying excited me. I'm on the battlefield for the Lord. I got troubles. I got good times and rainy times. Got sad times, uptown, up times, down times. But I'm not giving up. I'm not turning around. I'm not in retreat. I'm going to hold on to the profession of my faith. I'm believing God and trusting God that God said it and it's true. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. Men have died for this truth. And the world wasn't worthy of them. World wasn't worthy of them. World wasn't worthy of them. And now the church, your mama has handed you that faith. She said, when you come home, son, you either be carrying it or let it be carrying you. But don't come home without it. Don't come home because mama's not interested in a little trinket from Spain. She's not interested in a little beverage glass. She's interested in some little deal that you picked up on a battlefield somewhere. She's interested in you bringing the faith home that was once delivered to the saints. No wonder when you get into Hebrews 11 chapter, and I'll cut to the chase. 11 chapter and the 13th verse. After it gives a roll call to the faithful, that, that, that verse we, that chapter we love so very much. Sums it all up and says, these all died in faith. All died in faith. Every one of them come riding home. Hallelujah. Every one of them come in with their faith still intact. Hallelujah. They said, you can save yourself some trouble, son. I'm fixing to cut your heart out. They said, cut it out. My faith will take me home. They said, listen, we're going to saw you in half. They said, saw My faith will carry me home. They said, we're going to... One woman would say, listen, listen, if you'll deny the faith, we'll raise your husband up. We'll resurrect your husband. If you'll deny the faith, we'll save your husband. And women would not deny the faith to save their husband. They said, go ahead. If you've got to kill him, kill him. But his faith will carry him home. I'd rather... I'd, God... Help me, God. Help me, God, for the future. Sakes, for the truth's sake. For the truth, not for my sake, not for your sake, not for the church's sake, but for the truth's sake. That men carry the faith or let the faith carry them, whichever, whichever demands. These all tied in faith. Having not received the promise, but seeing them afar off were persuaded of them and embraced them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. And yet they died in faith. We can't live for God got the Holy Ghost. We're a pathetic bunch of people sometimes. We're a pathetic bunch of people sometimes. 52 years we've been this church has been carrying the banner been carrying it I'm here to charge the ministry of this church I'm here to charge you men that, and say you're preachers you know better than I God's called you in this ministry when you take that shield of faith in your profession you carry it don't you throw it down you die with that shield on your arms and I promise you it'll carry you home it'll carry you home if you'll carry it it'll carry you but if you throw it, you'll go home riding on the back of a donkey or riding on an ox cart or riding in the back of a buckboard rather than riding on your faith. Riding on your faith. God, I don't have time to preach everything I want to preach. I had some men going to read some messages, read some scriptures for me. I'll just read them myself for the saving of time. Since the shield was overall such a critical price piece of the warrior's armor. Isaiah said, prepare the table, which watch in the watchtower, eat and drink, you princes, and anoint the shield. Anoint the shield. Every now and then your faith needs a fresh anointing. Every now and then your faith's got to be anointed. 
See, this was a form. This is made out of copper tubing, but it was just a form. Sometimes made out of wood. Sometimes made out of some brass or base metal. And then over top of that was stretched hides, like a drum head. It was designed to be very taut, and therefore arrows would hit it, and they would they would rebound off of it then. And, and, and And darts would hit it and rebound off of it then, because it stayed supple. But in carrying a shield through wilderness in the blazing sun, it would dry out like a like an old drum head would dry out and maybe even split and then see the sword would go through it and then the spear would penetrate it and then because it would get hard and brittle and crack the arrow would go through it and they would say listen why you got some peace and why because there's no time to anoint your shield in battle when you got some peace you need to go to a prayer room somewhere and need to sit down and say God I'm going to put some oil on my shield my shield needs to be a fresh anointing put on it why I'm getting ready to go into battle tomorrow and my shield's got to be in perfect shape my faith has got to be reassured. That's why you need to be in Bible study. You need to be in everything this man teaches. You need to be in every church. Why? Because you need a fresh anointing on your shield of faith. Your faith needs to be anointed. Needs some oil smeared on it. So it stays supple. And it can, it can, it can, it can defend you against all the fiery darts of the devil. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Without the anointing, the shield loses its original shape. It becomes distorted. It doesn't remain faithful to its foundation. It loses its integrity. It needs a fresh, constant anointing. You understand the shield was the heaviest and most cumbersome piece of a soldier's armor, being so unwellly and awkward to carry. It was the first thing to be cast away when the battle goes sore, and thoughts of retreat enter the mind of a warrior. The first thing that came to his mind was, rid yourself of unnecessary weight. The shield of faith has no value in the sounding of retreat. As soon as the bugle sounded retreat, every shield from every man was lifted from his arm and thrown aside like a piece of trash. Why? Because now I'm headed in the other direction and it is no good to me. It simply, it simply slows me down because it catches the wind when I'm running. It's no longer like carrying a door when you're running in reverse. You don't need the weight of it and you throw it down because you're headed now in another direction. It was the easiest piece of armament to get rid of because of its awkwardness and it's cumbersome to carry along with you. Cast away that little that piece of shield. Rid yourself of the unnecessary weight. Forget your heritage. Forget your birthright. Forget the truth. Lose sight of all those who have gone before you. All those who have come home after you. Cast away. Cast not away, therefore, Paul said, your confidence, which had great recompense of reward. If you hold on to it, eventually it will reward you. Amen. Hallelujah. Paul went on to say in Hebrews 10.38, Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draws back, if any man draws back, my soul hath no pleasure in him. My music to come if they would, please. Just some music to come and just play for me, if you would. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord just a moment. Would you just lift your hands and love Jesus with me just a moment. Love the Lord and thank Him for these, these years that God's given you. Thank Him for what He has offered to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want everybody to be in a spiritual mind for just a moment and just just play me some, some strings or something, something just kind of soft. And... 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Saul is falling on the battlefield. His son Jonathan lies beside him with both of their blood spilled. The message comes back to David. David says, tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ascalon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offering. For there, listen to me, for there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away. The shield of Saul. As though he had not been anointed with oil. Saul, when the battle went sore against him, the first thing he got rid of was his shield. The Bible said Saul didn't just lay it down. He vilely threw it away. David said, God, let there be no dew where that shield fell. Let there be no rain in Galboa. Let there be no harvest in that field where the shield was so vilely thrown down. When he threw away his fidelity, and he threw away his dedication, and he threw away his profession of faith. Let there be no harvest come from where that shield lay. Let there be no rain, let there be no dew. In that place where he didn't just take it off and lay it down. But he vilely threw it down as though it meant nothing. It was a worthless piece of equipment. Had no worth. Had no merit. David said, God. The shield of Saul. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell that this. Don't, don't, they're going to find out his dead. But don't tell him that he threw his shield down. Don't tell him that he threw his shield down. You may have to tell him that Saul died. Just tell him Saul died. Don't tell him he threw his faith away. Don't don't tell nobody that Saul disrespected his calling. Don't let anybody find out that he threw his shield away vilely. And he treated it like a piece of dirt. Treated as though it meant nothing. Don't tell anybody, he said. Lest the daughters of Ascalon, the Philistines, they'll rejoice when they find out that he wasn't absolutely an Israelite. Because he vilely threw his shield down. Don't tell nobody, he said. Keep it to yourself. Don't whisper it to your neighbors and let them know somebody's thrown their shield down. Keep it to yourself. He vilely cast it away. He never preserved it. He never maintained it. He never protected it. He never defended it. Saul threw his down his fidelity. I'm not, I got one more scripture to read, and I'll be done. In First Samuel thirty-one eight and ten, in conjunction with what I've just told you, be spiritual. And it came to pass on the morrow 
when the Philistines came to strip the slain that they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa. And they cut off his head and they stripped off his armor. What are you saying, Brother Osborne? I'm saying once the shield goes, they come in and took his righteousness off them. Yes, sir. He took his truth away from him, his gospel away from him. Everything else, once the faith goes, then the enemy strips the body. He strips the body. Once a young man throws or a young lady throws her confidence and the truth down, it will be all the enemy come and take everything out, take your morals away, take your virtue away from you, take your testimony away from you, take your morality away from you. That's right, young man. Once the truth goes, once you throw down your confidence in God, the enemy will come and take everything else you got. It will strip your body. Then you know what they'll do? They'll go back and publish it abroad. He was easy pickings. Because by the time we got there, his shield was gone. His shield was gone. His head was cut off. And finally, when David got there, there wasn't much to pick up. He got his old headless body and got his carcass and tried to find some place to put it where it wouldn't be too much of a reproach. Because he didn't hold on to his shield. Friend, this is above all. It is above all. Because once this goes, everything else will be far behind. Everything else will go. It won't be long. you got nothing to defend yourself with now. Once you throw this down, the gospel stands in jeopardy. Once you throw this down, the truth stands in jeopardy. Once you throw this down, holiness and righteousness stands in jeopardy. Let me tell you something. Stand with me tonight. If you love this truth... You're going to baptize somebody. And I'm excited about it. I, I hope this hasn't been a downer for you. You're going to baptize somebody in Jesus' name. You know why you're going to baptize somebody in Jesus' name? Because somebody preached the truth. Somebody preached the truth of water baptism in Jesus' name. You better be glad that somebody held on to the faith. So it can be preached one more time. And somebody could have conviction. And somebody could hear this glorious gospel. Hallelujah. Because one more time. Let me tell you something tonight. This lady that's going to be baptized in Jesus' name. If you'll hang on to your experience, your experience will hang on to you. If you'll hang on to this truth, this truth will hang on to you. If you die carrying this truth, then this truth will carry you. They may put you in the grave, but they can't separate you from truth. The truth one day is going to carry you home anyway. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord. Thank God for the truth. I want to tell you something tonight, and I want this church to hear me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God has been speaking to this church. He is challenging some of you to get a little bit deeper than just a little emotional message. And the enemy is constantly attacking all of our faith. I want you that think you're by yourself to know that you're on board a ship that everybody's on. And everybody's faith gets attacked. But I feel in my spirit tonight, and I know as a pastor, as a watchman on the wall, that there are individuals in this place tonight who are about to throw your faith down. You may not have thrown the shield down, but you've turned it away to where you're vulnerable. And the enemy is playing with you. The enemy's dealing with that armor that's on you right now. I'm talking to some of you that are battling with even coming to church when you should be coming to church. I'm talking to some folks that are here tonight that are battling with just church attendance. And if you're coming to church, you're battling with your worship. You're having problems just worshiping God. And it's because you've pushed that shield out and you've made yourself vulnerable. 
In the name of Jesus, by the blood of Calvary, I charge you tonight, please consider what this man has preached. And if you've got any ounce tonight of conviction in your soul about what I've just said added to this message, I challenge you right now in Jesus' name to step out and say, God, I'm going to put that shield back in front of me. I'm not going to let these little problems become things that tear me down. I'm not going to let these little these little foxes spoil my vine, but I'm going to put that shield back in front of me, and I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to fight by faith. I'm going to do it all by faith. In Jesus' name. Right now I'm giving you an opportunity to come and pull that shield back in front of you. You've been made yourself vulnerable already, but now you can make yourself strong tonight in Jesus' name. Nobody's watching you. Step out right now in Jesus' name while they sing. Hallelujah. God bless this one that's coming. Nobody's watching. Nobody's watching you tonight. If I love it, okay? I'm going to that shield. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to get back in there. I'm going to get back in there. I'm going to be a fighter. I'm going to get back in there. I'm going to be a fighter. I'm going to make a little commitment. Oh, yes. 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 Soldier marching heaven by.